TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to 100 Not Out, featuring your hosts, Dr. Damien Christoph and Marcus Pierce. Hello and welcome to 100 Not Out, episode 401. Would you believe it? This is a weekly show dedicated to helping you master the art of aging well. Marcus Pierce here with you, and boy, oh boy, man, oh man, he's 47 not out. He is Dr. <laughs> Damien Christoph. How are you, legend? Oh, great, mate. 47. It's quite incredible. But, you know, I, I think we might be getting close to a test record score soon. So yeah. we need to look into that and uh, maybe do a special uh, episode for a test record score because we must be getting close to, you know, smashing that one. Maybe we'll ask Hodgie. We'll ask. Um, I'm seeing Danny Morrison. I'm seeing Danny Morrison tomorrow. So I'll ask maybe him what, what score yeah, we'll, we should we, go for. Maybe we can get DK Morrison on for a special episode. That'd be pretty good. Yep, That'll we might do that. Kiwis. Actually, that's a yeah. really good idea. I think a good one uh, around men's mental health, knowing the demons that Ooh. Danny Morrison experienced when he yeah. uh, retired yeah. from cricket, and uh, and also just that that feeling around Christmas time. I think you've nailed it. Actually, um, oh. let's get let's get Danny Morrison on. Let's get Danny Morrison on. But today. Uh, is a very special episode because we have Dr. Nick Fuller joining us. I think this is special because it's the first episode after 400. Dr. Nick Fuller, how's this for a CV? A PhD in obesity management, a bachelor's degree of human movement. I'm already ticking down the years of study. I'm almost up to a decade (laughs) by now. A (laughs) master's in nutrition and dietetics. This guy must be about 60 years of age. He works at Charles Perkins Centre at the University of Sydney. He's been awarded the People's Choice Award at the University of Sydney's Genesis Program. He's the author of three books, Interval Weight Loss, Interval Weight Loss for Life, and Interval Weight Loss for Women. Surely he's got to be almost 100 not out. He's not. He's the picture of youth and the picture of health. Dr. Nick Fuller, welcome to 100 Not Out. Oh, thanks, guys. It's great to be on and good to chat to you, Dave and Piercy. <laughs> Love it. How good's that? Were you working on that one? <laughs> That's oh, you the lines for hours. <laughs> what, a, what a warm welcome. Thank you. Wow, so great. This is great. Now, Marcus and I were saying before that we often get approached to bring guests on. Usually it's a spam email and uh, we don't bring people on. And so, Nick, when I received your email, I must admit that I was a little cautious to click on a few links. Um, but I did. I clicked on all the links. I thought that maybe I had a friend of Fossum uh, maybe chasing me down. I thought that maybe I've got I've said something wrong on a podcast. I was about to get an opera complaint. Um, but that's not what actually happened here. And uh, you're a listener of the podcast, which Marcus and I are both over the moon about. We didn't realize that we had actually real academics listening to us and um, like real people that listen from a university uh, listening to us. But um, congratulations on your mountain of work. I have gone through and looked at some of the studies that you've been part of. I've looked at uh, your uh, the, the pieces of work that you've put together. So congratulations on what you've done so far. It's great. Yeah, thank you. Very kind. Nick, um, you may know, I think you probably do if you've been listening to 100 Not Out, um, that I've helped a lot of people lose weight. Um, now, I consider that only a partial success. Um, and you would know where I'm going with this because as somebody who helps people with weight loss, the number one biggest demotivating factor for any practitioner helping somebody help, uh, lose weight is their rebound weight gain um, and in many cases it's weight gain plus gst they put on another 10 percent and uh, and that 10 percent is so discouraging for me because i want them 
to experience great health, um, possibly more than what they want to experience it at the time, even though they want to. Why are you experiencing such incredible success with weight loss permanently? Yeah, I mean, this is such an important point that you allude to. We can all go out and succeed with weight loss, okay? We don't really or typically have a problem. Um, and like you, you just mentioned, you've worked with so many different people and clients helping them on that journey. But what we're finding is, um, and regardless of the dietary approach and the prescription, that people will lose that weight but when we follow them up, it might be a few months down the track, could be a couple of years. Um, but within that five-year window, they've definitely put that weight back on. And not only that, they've put on, like you said, that GST, that small amount extra. So you might lose the 10. You probably then put on um, anywhere between 10 and a half and 11 and a half more kilos. So you end up, I guess, accelerating your weight gain and, and weight issue. Um now, there's sort of a few different uh, pieces to this puzzle. And this epi obesity epidemic, that problem that we see where two in three people are walking around um, struggling with their weight, you know, it might only be a couple of extra kilos around the mid-drift or it could be the 20, 30, 40 or 50 kilos that we're struggling with. Um, this didn't, well, wasn't a problem before the 1970s, 1980s. Um, but obviously then we did see this this sort of evolution of, of weight um, or this obesity epidemic, and it was due to the change in environment. I mean, processing fast food became abundant, we stopped walking, um, and we became addicted to technology, which keep us up all night and disrupt our sleep. So what do we do in reaction to that? Well, we look for a quick fix because we're not prioritising our health, we're not looking after ourselves, and we want that magic bullet. So we often sign up to the latest and greatest diet, the, the 4, 8, 12 online, online weight loss program to get ready for the wedding or the event or whatever it might be. And sure, we succeed, um, but we now know through our research that we only succeed short term because, one, some of these approaches are drastic and not sustainable. But even when they are sustainable and uh, more well-rounded and nutritionally complete, uh, that our body fights that weight loss. So basically, there's these biological protections that kick into gear the minute you start losing weight. So our body basically puts up its hands and says, um, or screams out saying, I've got to eliminate this stress. I've got to get rid of this stress and go back to where I began. And that means regaining that weight you lost. So when you look at the numbers, fewer than 5%, succeeding long-term, and that means five years or more, on their weight loss journey. That's an incredible statistic. Um, I knew that it was high in terms of the rebound weight, um, and as a percentage, that's that's quite unbelievable. So 5% succeed long-term, which is incredible. And, you, and you, know, you raise a great point that regardless of the eating program that you do, whether it be high-fat, low-carb, high-carb, low-fat, vegetarian, vegan, gluten-free, keto, blood type, CSIRO, PAR method, whatever it's going to be, all of these eating programs will all be successful for losing weight provided you stick to it. Um, but it's the next bit, you know, it's the five-year survival rate, which we seem to measure for all other medical interventions, all other interventions around success, remission of cure for, all of that sort of stuff is five years. But weight loss doesn't get that credence. It doesn't doesn't cop it. You lose the weight. Wow, you look fantastic. You put on the weight. No one says anything. 
um, until you've put it back on. And then you lose it again. They go, wow, you've lost some weight. And then you put it back on and no one says anything. So this whole thing, I've noticed a lot of people are saying, oh, you've got to fast or you've got to do intermittent fasting. For me, that sounds dangerous. Like For me, that seems like if they're intermittently fasting and they do this intermittent thing every day, it's now no longer intermittent. It seems that that's going to be the new set point for their metabolism. Maybe they're gearing themselves up for less fuel moving forward and so on and so forth. What? How do you feel about that? Yeah, this is a good question. I guess it sort of ties into um, – I'll, I'll address it in two ways. I mean, when we look at that 1970s, 1980s time point, what we started to see was the 0.5 or 1 kilo increase – in our weight, our waistlines every year, which has led to that sort of 70% of us now struggling with our weight. Um, now, this is due to evolution, okay? So what we do is remember we react to that weight problem through dieting, and it's an evolutionary problem. Um, these biological pathways kicking in gear, sending us back to our start point. Now, as you just alluded to, it doesn't matter what dietary approach we take. The intermittent fasting approach, sure, during our time as hunter-gatherers or our ancestors, we used to go long periods of time without food. We would go and hunt and forage for food days and weeks. We'd bring it home. We would then gorge when it was available on high-calorie, high-sugar, high high-fat food. Now, from a health perspective, we know that is good, okay? And like you said, intermittent fasting, not all of time, every now and then, just like our hunter-gatherers, our ancestors did. When you look at the application in the modern day world, most people are following intermittent fasting for weight loss because of that perceived benefit of long-term weight loss. But it's not giving any better results than any other dietary approach. You rattled them all off. We see the weight loss followed by weight regain. And it's just, I guess, a fancy spin on cutting calories from the diet. So from a health perspective, sure, we can go and have the occasional fast and or intermittent fasting, doesn't matter what, you know, sort of approach you follow. And, yes, it, it may improve metabolic parameters in the body, but for weight loss, which is what, remember, 70% of people are out there struggling with, it's not the long-term answer. It's not getting any better results. Research paper after research paper is, is showing that. It's just the current thing we're talking about. Uh, Nick, I'd love to ask you, and I really hope this question doesn't come across as self-serving, but I really often... I love putting the pieces of our past back together for an empowering future and I know there's people that are on this, uh, watching this live at the moment, putting in their own examples at the moment and I just feel compelled just to share with you my own kind of adventure here. When I first met my wife, Sarah, I was 82 kilos. I thought I was a, I was a, I thought I was a gym buffed kind of early twenties, but I was a smoker and a, and a drink, like binge drinker and I, I had a terrible diet. But I thought because I had muscles that I was healthy. And obviously, we know that fitness and health are two very different things. Um, then uh, Sarah and I um, were madly in love and we became raging vegan for probably six or seven years. You may know some of this story. And I went from 82 down to 73 kilos. And then after about yeah six or seven years, we started slowly reintroducing meat again. And still to this day, I'm 73 kilos. Now, I feel like I'm one of the quote-unquote success stories. I think I'd be in that 30%. But I often wonder why why that is. And I don't necessarily know, and I'd like your answer. Is it as simple as the fact that I've maintained a healthy diet, whether I've been vegan or 
um, eating meat, it's still been a relatively clean diet. Like what? what is, and I don't want to say it because the, your answer will be the answer for everyone else, but in your mind, like what is it that keeps people to keep the weight off? Yeah, so this is this is a good story. I mean, you do fall in that fewer than 5% succeeding long-term, and, and I know that because I know your story. But do you know what? Men typically don't do anything about their weight until a serious health scare happens. So it might be the heart attack and lucky enough to survive that and then completely overhauling our lifestyle, losing the weight and getting things back in order and prioritising what we you know, now see um, is our future. So in your instance, you didn't have any previous dieting attempts, if I understand correctly. You sort of Absolutely this- not. Two mint slices, yeah. hot dogs, hot chips, chicken schnitzel burgers. I don't think they fall into any diet, I'm afraid. Now, <laughs> dieting actually imposes damage on your body. So when you diet, your metabolism goes down, your appetite hormones go up, telling you to eat more, basically those biological protections that send you back to your start point. Now, even after you regain the weight, your metabolism stays lower, your appetite hormones stay up, and you've imposed long-term damage, okay? That's only a couple of examples. There's eight well-researched pathways there. Also, your adrenal glands, thyroid, etc. Now, with you, you made that conscious decision to overhaul your lifestyle. Now, that's what typically happens with men, and this is why men typically succeed or better, have better results long-term. Because we're not out there dieting all the time, creating a problem um, and slowing or mucking up our metabolism and our, our biology. Um, and secondly, when we do it, uh, we, we tend to commit to it and really do overhaul and apply and focus on forming habits. Now, when you look, and this is why, one of the reasons why you succeeded. Secondly, with females or women, well, they're out there all the time. They're the first ones to admit they have a problem. But often they don't even have a problem to start with. They diet themselves fat mm. because they're doing four to five diets every year. They've done 60 diets by the age of 45. Wow. They're shortening the span. They're, they're worsening their health. Um, so every time is, they go is to that, Is that a true stat, Nick? That, 60 yeah. diets by 45? By 45. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's it's Yeah, and that's predominantly usually women because, like we just mentioned, men, we're stubborn. We don't do anything. We... We have it's sort of part of our body image that we can get away with the, the muscle and the extra fat, um, but you know it's not healthy. So you've got women that are reacting; they're they're sort of pressured into the dieting industry. Um, they're very good at targeting women. They buy into it. They're slowing and mucking up their biology, makes it harder for them to lose weight. So they've got less chance of succeeding long term, and they're more likely to buy into fads. So the other important point that you raised is that. You know, you've applied things that you can sustain, that you enjoy, and this is your new lifestyle and your new way of living. This comes back down to then what you were just referring to, and we talk about it a bit on the podcast, is media consumption. Like what does your research and your experience talk about the link between, you know, the amount or type of media you consume and your likelihood to be sensitive about your body weight and your vulnerability is not the right word, but your... Um, your kind of your, your click through of actually going on one of those sixty diets before you're forty five because that seems captain obvious to me right now. Media consumption equals high dieting. Definitely, that's what the that's what the dieting industry, um, you know, know what works and they know how to craft 
their material, particularly towards women and target them. Um, look, men also, you know, have, have their own struggles with body image, but when it comes down to it, we've created largely through media, social media, this unhealthy perception of what now is a healthy body image. And there are many cases where we see people not having a weight problem to start with, they diet and they accelerate their weight gain. The biggest message there is that science has proven diet will see you fatter than before you began. So instead of seeing the 0.5 to 1 kilo increase where you're sitting on the couch leading the unhealthy lifestyle like you were doing, you will see a 1.5 to 2 kilo increase because remember your body shuts down, eliminates the stress, send you back to your start point and you put the GST back on. It, our body doesn't know any better. It's, it's, it's way of thinking that this is how we have to survive because our ancestors would often go long periods of time without food. The body would shut down. It would store fat. Now you put our ancestors' genes, which haven't changed in the modern-day environment, you've got that evolutionary mismatch. We've got a hard time saying no to all those foods everywhere. We don't walk. Waistlines go up, remember, then we react to dieting. But then when you do diet, the body goes into shutdown mode because it's still thinking it's in that same time period tens of thousands of years ago. So we've got to start putting, stop putting the blame on things like, you know, our genes and, and our metabolism and all these things. Yes, dieting has mucked up your metabolism, your thyroid function, all these things we use as identity excuses. Um, but, yes, you have to stop dieting because it's not the long-term answer. It's about incorporating um, principles and habits um, into your life that you can sustain and, I guess, form lifelong. I love that, Nick. I, I absolutely love that. And I love this chat. And everyone who's watching this is loving the chat. And I think this will be one of our viral chats. Like this, will, this will go mental. So, um, and I do want to come back to some of those lifestyle things, Nick, that uh, that you mentioned uh, that we you, that we need to implement. Because when I look at you know, and because it's really important. But when I look at longevity, what I have, what I recognise is that people who are obese or overweight if they make it into old age, generally live longer than those people that are really skinny. Mm. Now, which is really interesting because they tend to avoid, you know, certain diseases that they were at increased risk of developing uh, probably at their more youthful years. Um, but as they get older, they tend to last longer. So there's a whole lot of, of a conundrum here. And obviously this podcast is about longevity, right? So could people be shortening their telomeres? Could they be... Uh, affecting their longevity stats if they continue to diet? Definitely. The short answer is 100%. You, if you continue to diet, you will um, see a reduction in, in quality of life, your lifespan, um, your health. Now, you raise a very good point here, which we refer to as that sort of obesity paradox. Uh, believe it or not, later on in life, um, some extra weight, will definitely increase your lifespan and help you get through um, that period of time. Now, again, it, it sort of ties into evolution, um, and we know that's particularly relevant for, for women and when they go through menopause. Um, it's very hard for them to mitigate a lot of that weight gain that comes with that time, um, and we know that, that's, that, again, has that evolutionary tie. So it can be protective. But what we're trying to say is throughout the majority of your life, you shouldn't be seeing that increase in weight. And if you are, you have to take or regain control to prevent it going up or spiraling out, spiraling out of control. 
Otherwise, you're going to see the type 2 diabetes, the heart disease. You might have the heart attack and not survive. Um, look, most of the time, pretty much all of the time throughout life, you want to be um, close to a, a relatively healthy body weight. Um, and then later on in life, if you're starting to see a couple of extra kilos coming on, um, it's not the be all and end all because, yes, it may have that, that longevity um, sort of, I guess, well, that obesity paradox where it can be protected protective but look dieting is going to make your situation worse it's going to decrease your lifespan um, and when you're noticing the scales go up it's better to regain control earlier because once the weight's on it's very hard as we're discussing to lose it but keep it off oh, i love this nick you are pushing all of my happy buttons uh because mm-hmm. one of my questions was around obesity and older people there's always this conundrum of this little uh Italian village called Rosetto. They moved over to America and into Pennsylvania called the town Rosetto, Pennsylvania. All of America, or that's exaggerating, many people in America were dying of heart disease except for this little village called Rosetto and no one could figure out why. And they were obese. They had really an average diet, but they had this community and sense of love and they weren't, they weren't worried about food because the next door neighbor had a garden and they weren't worried about loneliness because they knew everyone in town. And... And their BMI was off the charts. It was not. It just didn't click. But I think you've just you've answered so many of those like unknowns, which I'm sure in the research world people are like, no, but we can't measure it. I often say like you can't stick a needle in your arm and go, oh, we can tell you've got a great social life. But you know, Damien mentioned it earlier. There's plenty of uh, people that aren't obese that are stressed out of their mind on a diet and die prematurely. Whilst there's people that that are overweight or obese and and live a great long life, and when we go to Ikaria, the 80 and 90 year olds aren't the one. They don't have six packs and you know uh, biceps and you know big guns and buns and whatever the other terms are these days. Like they're carrying a bit of weight, and and I love that you've actually almost um, not given us all permission to go and stack on a few kilos, but also not become so anal and 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 analytical about the scales. Um, analytical. 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 Um, Just on that, this is, again, this is just a man of the people question. Um, Do we just throw our scales out? Again, I'm not going to jump on the high horse here um, and and say uh, yes, but I'd love to know your view. Like I I don't have a set of scales. I've never really, again, probably as a male, it's not really in my headspace. But for anyone that is listening or watching that has a set of scales, do they chuck them out or is is there a place for them? We certainly are obsessed with that number on the scales, aren't we? I've got um, numerous patients I've worked with uh, that have been on, you know, I guess on that struggle where they're jumping on the scales 20 to 30 times a day. A day. That's more often than they're checking Facebook. Exactly. And (laughs) about helping them, you know, move away from that, like you're saying, and and sometimes throwing them out altogether. But, look, we do know that self-weighing helps keep you accountable. But we certainly don't need to be doing it multiple times a day because those day-to-day fluctuations and meal-to-meal fluctuations mean absolutely nothing. It's just largely changes changes in body hydration. Um, for instance, whole grain carbs, they, they bind a lot of water in the body. When you eliminate them, water content goes down. So hence why you'll see that fluctuation. Um, now, what is the answer? Well, what we've shown with our research um, at the University of Sydney is that Jumping on the scales once a week, same time, same day, um, same clothing or no clothing, and just monitor that trend over time, okay? So 
if you're noticing that, for instance, one week it's 100, the next it's 100.5, and then it goes back down to 99.9, well, look, that's pretty much reflective of steady weight maintenance. But we get caught up in the 100-gram increase, the 400-gram decrease. But if over time it's going down by a couple of hundred grams or whatever it might be, and that trend is going the way you want it, that is good and that is important. But I guess the other this ties into the other point um, that Damo, you know, raising food deprivation is certainly not the answer because when we deprive ourselves, sure, we, we might get that instant gratification on the scales, but again, your body will shut down. Calories in versus calories out simply is not, it's not that simplic, simplicity, um, I guess, uh, equation that we all like it to be or want it to be. Um, so, yeah, it, it's about jumping on the scales once a week and certainly not depriving yourself because that day-to-day fluctuation and meal-to-meal fluctuation, it doesn't mean anything. It's not changes in fat mass. No. I do weigh myself a little bit, I have to say. Um, I've got Wi-Fi scales that update my Fitbit app and I can track it. Now, we've moved into this new location for a couple of weeks and I'm a little bit lost. And I do only fluctuate by 100 grams or 200 grams over the space of a week, Nick, but I do watch it. There was a time when I hit 80 kilograms and I was distraught. So, bang, I went on to keto. Amber said I looked fat and so I had to lose a couple of kilos. I lost a couple of kilos. I've now put a little bit back on, and uh, and so I'm, I want to monitor that. But it is very. It, I find it important to me mentally to have some degree of control over it, which I know that many of the people watching this and listening to this will also feel that they need to have a little bit of control over what it is that they're doing. So, Piercy, I reckon there's a place for these scales. Yeah, I reckon. Can, can I just because I know you've got a question, Damo, and and I and I definitely want you to ask it. But on this, I just want to ask, like, I know at the moment. Um, my 73 kilos has more fat than it did five years ago, and I know this is a problem for a lot of older people. They don't Stuck put on they don't put yeah. on weight, but their BMI changes, their muscle to fat ratio changes. And so, what do both of you? I'd love to know because I've never really spoken to Damo about this in, in detail. Like, what do you both say about almost the mirage that weight can? It, it, it's like, oh, I'm still the same as I was 30 years ago. Yeah, but your fat content's 40, percent and back then it was only 20, percent like. What do you both have to say about that? Because that, for me, is a bit of a concern for my own brain. I'm like, I've got to move more. I've got to get more muscle back because I can feel that fat ratio increasing. Yeah, Damo's got the magic word there, the sarcopenia. That's that scientific word we term we use. Um, and, and look, I'll, I'll quickly say that it's, it's that reduction in muscle mass that you see predominantly after the age of 40. Um, you're seeing changes, changes in hormones, so reduction in testosterone for ma- for men, males, um, and makes it harder to keep that weight off, then you see a shift in body-to-fat uh, ratio, regardless of your weight staying the same. just means that if you have less muscle, it's going to be harder to keep that weight off long-term because, remember, muscle does keep our engine ticking along, our metabolism burning, um, so it is favourable to have more muscle than fat. You've got to stay strong. You've got to stay strong. I'm 39, now, so I'm going to make. I'm going to go hard the next year. Yep. Sorry. Go for a demo. Oh, sorry, PC. Sorry, sorry to interrupt while you were talking over me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I haven't said that for quite some time. Happy birthday to Wendy, by the way. Happy birthday, Wendy. We'll sing happy birthday to you after the podcast. Um, Nick, just before we close off. What are the things from a lifestyle perspective that you would talk about in in your program, Intermittent Weight Loss? How, what are the things that people need to implement into their lifestyle um, 
to make this a success? What do they, what do they need to be doing? Sure. So this interval weight loss um, methodology, I mean, people can find it online and, and you can read it about it in great depth in the books. Go to your library and loan them. Um, there's a lot of free resources online too on the YouTube channel. So interval weight loss or IWL. Now, Sorry about I that. Think, I think I said intermittent. I meant uh, <laughs> so I stuck we'll that up. We were. We are talking about a lot just then. Um, when it comes down to longevity and health, it's more than just food and it's more than just the scales. Like you just mentioned, it's the social connections. Um, it's about the enjoyment of food. Now, what we've found in activity and sleep, what we've found is there are six key steps. Um, and, and, you know, very quickly, one is obviously the methodology. We know you, you've got to lose weight in intervals. So you lose a couple of kilos, maintain for the second month lose again, maintain, lose, maintain, because when you do maintain every second month, you prevent your body fighting itself. You don't see the metabolism decreasing. You don't see the appetite hormones going up. You still lose 12 kilos roughly over a year. Importantly, remember you're losing it and setting yourself up for long-term success rather than losing 10 quickly, putting 11 back on. Mm. But it's also about not worrying about calorie counting and meticulously weighing out 60 grams of food for the calories in versus calories out. Our body's far too smart for that. Obesity is a science and weight loss is a science and people need to appreciate that, hence why we're telling them to stop dieting. Um, but it's also about, I guess, portion size in terms of eating big to small. We know breakfast should be your biggest meal and dinner your smallest meal. So when you get to dinner, remember this is a social connection time and a time of cultural importance. Try challenge yourself. Sit down with a rice-sized bowl bread and butter size plate, maybe use some chopsticks, an oyster fork or a teaspoon, something you're uncomfortable with, to slow down that food consumption. Because we know you burn the energy, burn the food um, far better in the evening time, uh, morning time rather than the evening time, actually two and a half times more efficiently. So this is why breakfast is more important than dinner. But dinner is more important from the social connection and longevity connection and point that we're talking about. Um, and then activity, you know, incorporate things that you love and enjoy we monitor your incidental activity we used to walk 15 to 20 kilometers a day in, before the 1970s now we don't walk. in the rain in the rain so I, I guess think about how you can incorporate activity and then the last point that sort of ties into this interval weight loss methodology is sleep obviously we're addicted to phones they keep us awake all night um, turn off technology because it's disrupting your circadian rhythm. It's preventing the release of serot uh, melatonin, basically telling you it's daytime instead of nighttime. So just set a goal, one hour before bed, no devices, no technology, no screens. Do something different. Change your usual routine because that it can be often enough to prevent your comfort and emotional eating and all those other things that go with it. But, yeah, you know, look up those six steps because it is simpler and we make it out to be. It doesn't have to be about restriction and following these cute, neatly packaged programs that only give us short-term success. I love it. I love it. Yeah, the whole disruption to the superchiasmatic nucleus, which you referred to before, is incredible. You know, <laughs> I just wanted to say that because I wanted to sound as smart as you are. Um, Nick, um, <laughs> but it's true. That's what screens do. That does disrupt the superchiasmatic nucleus. So, um, Nick. This has been fantastic. Um, just in case there's people out there thinking they can still hack their way to weight loss, um, you've done some studies. Um, are there any herbs that can help you lose weight? Unfortunately, no. 
No, I agree. I'm a herbalist, a naturopath, nutritionist, and chiropractor. I'm involved in some funny stuff, and I have never found a herb that actually helps people lose weight. So it's it's a it's a commitment. There's a lot of things that you've got to do to um, – not a lot of things. There's six things that you've got to do to make sure that you lose the weight permanently, and um, and I would go and have a look at Nick's books. It, it sounds to me like Nick has nailed it. I'll hand it over to you, Pissy. Well, you took the words right out of my mouth, Damo. You've read my mind. Uh, Nick said, turn the screens off for an hour at night. Everyone that listens to this podcast will know that I'm a mad reader. I love the screens off at night. I don't like e-books. I like real paper books and uh, – Nick's got three of them, Interval Weight Loss, Interval Weight Loss for Life, and Interval Weight Loss for Women. So do yourself a favor, as they say, and go to intervalweightloss.com.au. Nick, Damo's asked a couple of pop questions, and I really want to ask a couple of pop questions because Damo and I keep on saying in the Skype chat, one more, one more, one more, because you keep on buzzing our brains. So you said... Breakfast is the biggest meal, dinner is the smallest meal, and I'm I am for that. I'm 100% for that. But we've also said on this podcast, everyone's fasting as if they're about to die. No one's having breakfast anymore. It used to be the most important meal of the day. Now it's taboo. We don't even talk about breakfast anymore, let alone eat it. Like, what? confused anyone? <laughs> Why would you want to miss out on it? Yeah, it's, it's a great meal. Yeah, it's just something that we should be putting, you know, plentiful amounts in. That's the most important meal. And I guess if people are struggling, remember that you burn the calories from that meal two and a half times more efficiently than what you do at the evening time. So we're not saying the evening meal. Just switch the orientation around. Have breakfast. Make it big. Maybe have two breakfasts. (laughs) No, it has to be tiny. Two and a half breakfast. You could actually do two and a half breakfast with those stats. Damo does a great kale eggs. I do the best eggs and greens in the Southern Hemisphere, and I reckon I have about 70% of my calories between 7.30 in the morning and 1 o'clock in the afternoon. And, and it's still the same meal too, actually. it's, it's still He's still eating the same meal. <laughs> he's the slowest eater on the planet. <laughs> what was that, Nick? Sorry. Another reason why Piers is keeping the weight off, why he looks so good. Yeah. Oh, you can stay on forever, Nick. And, la- and, and one more pop question from me. I did a five-day water fast a couple of years ago. I've done a couple of episodes here about salt flushes that have gone wrong. But five-day water fast, I thought I would have come-to-Jesus moments, aha moments, waves of clarity. I was so indoctrinated by the wellness world about how my life would just be anew after five days, and it was the biggest anticlimax I've ever experienced. It felt like the biggest waste of no eating for over 100 hours. I've, I've always wanted to it. know. Oh, I just want to know, in your professional opinion, why did it suck so bad? I mean, why wouldn't it? Deprivation like that. doesn't even sound good. You know, I put my, my body through everything and try all of these extremes. And sure, it, you know, it doesn't harm you to go for a short period of time like we talked about, the fast um, for your health, but that's not the answer going on these extreme approaches. Um, you would have lost a lot of water and a lot of weight as well, and yeah, yeah, it would have felt awful for it. So, um, look, don't go out there and don't do these extreme approaches because um, it's not it's not going to be the but answer. You know what gets me, and I know we've got to go, but you know what gets me? They always steep these diets and approaches in history. They're like the wise old sage of Japan two million years ago fasted for five days a quarter. And <laughs> do you know what I mean? They always st- – I don't know if they just make it up, but they steep yeah. it in, like, history. 
Yeah, well, it does tie back to our time, remember, as hunter-gatherers, our ancestors. We would go long periods without food, but that's the very reason why we have the problem today. It all's coming back, remember, to our biology. Our body doesn't know better, so our genes haven't changed. We've got to be able to overcome the, the, the challenges with the modern-day environment, the food addiction and all of these things um, by embracing it and doing, you know, like yourself and many others, applying it in a way that is sustainable okay so another good uh, i guess tip there is we tell people to reach for nature first we get all these feel-good responses in the brain from the processed and fast foods releases um, dopamine and tells us to go back that learning chemical for more and more and more but nature's treats what our ancestors used to hunt for the honey Mm -hmm. the berries the nuts and seeds they also release the same feel-good chemicals in the brain. So when you're feeling the urge to eat something sugary or fattery, fatty, tell yourself or nature first. Oh, that is just – this has been Wisdom on Steroids, this uh, episode. Nick Fuller, Dr. Nick Fuller, thank you so much for reaching out uh, as a listener, as an academic, as an absolute expert in your field. Uh, Damo, thank you for bringing uh, Dr. Nick onto the podcast today. This has been a 401 episodes. This gets this gets into the top 100 by the yep. length of the straight. This oh, could... top top 50 easy, I reckon. Yeah, yeah. It, it could 50. it could enter top 50. It could. We better have it a gala be. dinner one night and take some long. votes on the the top the top. We may have a top list. Yeah. Yeah. This yeah, has been yeah. fantastic. I recommend for everyone to go to intervalweightloss.com.au. Uh, you'll see interviews with Nick across the mainstream media. He's been featured on uh, all the big shows. He's on social. But again, everything is over at intervalweightloss.com.au. And Nick, as we like to say to all of our guests on 100 Not Out, Nick Fuller, may the rest of your life continue to be the best of your life. Thank you very much, BSC. Thanks, Damo. It's been great chatting to you. Thanks for the opportunity, and I look forward to touching base and chatting again soon. Same, same. Stay um, strong. Keep up the great work. Oh, absolute legend. Damo, how good was that? How so good, good. Was Dr. Nick so good. So good. Everyone's loved it. Everyone's absolutely loved it. Vicky said amazing info. Wendy's been all over it. Happy birthday to Wendy, by the way. Did I mention that before? Duncan still loves it a bit, thinks she's hot as in her knickers. And uh, and Wilma says, thanks, thanks, guys. I love it. Fantastic. <laughs> all right. For more info on Damo, go to damienchristoff.com, myself, marcuspears.com.au. Thank you to everyone that makes this podcast possible. Joseph Tomo, our editor, Cielo, who does all the social media, and Annie Council, who looks after our Instagram account. We've got some big announcements coming over the next little while, so make sure you stay tuned about what you can be involved with with uh, 100 Not Out in 2021. Until next time, folks, thanks for your support. Continue to support us on Facebook and Instagram. And until next time, as always, continue to make the rest of your life the best of your life. Bye for now. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.